Oh, hey, welcome to the What Connects Us podcast, where we explore human connection with people in the province. Kicking off a brand new season by chatting with Brandy Hain, will tell us all about her incredible journey as a two-time organ recipient. Let's get it started. Hey, Happy New Year, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for the premiere of Season 5 of the What Connects Us podcast. I'm your host, Mason Gardner, and I am absolutely thrilled to be back on the mic to bring you six brand new Saskatchewan stories. I am so excited about this group of guests we have lined up who all have very deeply personal stories that I promise will leave you inspired and captivated while you learn a thing or two along the way. Starting with today's guest, Brandi Hayne, who is a two-time survivor of organ failure and has had her life saved on two separate occasions via a liver transplant in 2009 and a kidney in 2020. Organ donation has been a hot topic recently, and Brandy will shed a light on what it is like to go through organ failure, what the process looks like, how being the recipient of an organ donation has saved and impacted her life, and so much more along the way. This has been one of my absolute favorite interviews because you'll notice right off the jump that even though Brandy has been through so much, she has not lost her sense of humor and her true love and passion for life. So let's get into it. What connects us to Brandy? Let's find out. Brandy Hayne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Yes. And I'm so excited to not just talk to you about the story, but to, I think I finally met my match when it comes to being a lover of McDonald's. I oh, hear that. that you are quite the McLover as well. Yes, I am. Um, get out of the hospital, like hit up the nearest McD's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And and Brandy's a happy girl, yeah. so. And but you're more of a McNuggets like. Um, I like to drop the nug bombs. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that's a yeah. That's a quote from a from a colleague before. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, dropping a nug bomb tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm also impartial to the chicken BLT crispy. Okay. Um, but you know it's really their pop that is the clear it winner is. here you know i don't know what it is in that fountain soda but give it to me like i need it i think they put like salt in it or something oh like i that. don't even know like yeah. it, it's something white but like it's good <laughs> <laughs> it's good it's good awesome okay right on so outside of this i'd love to hear a quick introduction of who brandy hayne is give me some background on who you are so we can better understand your story absolutely so who am i is this is probably the hardest question you'll ask of me today <laughs> yeah um I'm a dog lover, animal lover in general, PC gamer, mm -hmm. um, grew up in Regina. Yeah. Um, my career is the director of brand and creative, if, and I'm going to name drop here, Haztec. Nice. <laughs> Good people. <laughs> Pretty big introvert. Don't know if that's because of my story or if that's how I actually <laughs> yeah. am, but I like to be at home with, with fuzzy beans. Yeah, yes. yeah. And you're a knitter as well. I am a knitter. Yeah, the yeah. arthritis makes that a bit tough, but <laughs> knitting, crocheting, you know, I'm here for it. So Yeah, your Instagram profile, I think yes. it said dog lover, PC gamer, knitter. I'm exactly. Like, there is a wide spectrum <laughs> yes. here to Brandy. Like I say, like I think I married my husband's like 90-year-old grandfather, <laughs> but I'm also like a 16-year-old boy, right. so I, I don't know. That's the both I, Yeah, I love the Antique Roadshow, um, <laughs> Jeopardy, big fan. Yeah, it, it's my interests are all over the map. Awesome. I love that. Price is right. Watch oh, it every yeah, day absolutely. Oh, that's great. So let's just jump right into it. Tell me about what life was like for you prior to having issues with your liver. Yeah, so my liver was the first, well, I'll say second. I was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic at 14. Oh, okay. And that went undiagnosed for about a year. So really went into grade 9, you know, got the beatus, as we say. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the liver diagnosis came two weeks after high school. So I was 17, 
16, 17 was really us figuring out um, that. But before that, you know, I was super athletic. Mm. Um, you know, I'm six feet tall, we'll say. <laughs> just, six feet tall. Just came from Brooklyn yeah. for a second. <laughs> That's my other personality, I guess. <laughs> But yes, quite tall, you know, grew up playing, you know, basketball, volleyball, soccer, was a big fan of doing cartwheels on top of hills until I blew up my knee and had to have surgery oh on that. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to the hill at Henry Braun. <laughs> <laughs> had to hobble my way across those multiple fields back to the school. <laughs> that's like the first bit of trauma yes, for Yes, yeah, yeah, that's where it all started is the Henry Braun Hill. <laughs> yeah, just really more of a physically active human being yeah. and... Um, I'd like to think that I was always entertaining, but you know, right. jury's out. So. <laughs> so type one diabetic, Yes. when did things start to seem like there was a little bit more, like there's some issues with the liver kicking in? Yeah. So grade nine was the, the diabetes stuff. And you know, that in itself was hard to figure out because yeah. that's almost 23 or 24 years ago now, you know, yep. um, advancements in diabetes have become so far, like just even from the different insulins I'm on. And at that time it wasn't something that was like really diagnosed you go in and you're like you're having all these symptoms like now it's like well you're clearly diabetic yeah but back then they're like mm, you have the flu you've had it for years and yeah. just you know your vision's blurry and you've lost weight and that's just life um so what hospital were you yeah, going to were you going yeah. to the hospital on henry braun yeah, what's yeah. going on here <laughs> henry braun like yeah basement hospital yeah figuring that out was tough and then when you so when you start to have an already like chronic condition mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to figure out if the things like the new, you know, symptoms you're having, are they tied to, you know, a previous condition or is this something new? So I think for me, it was a really great 12 when, you know, I start, my joints really started seizing up, like to the mm. point where, you know, we'd be at a party somewhere, you know, down in Radville, Saskatchewan <laughs> yeah. and, you know, Brandy's hanging out in her, in her car because she can't walk. Oh and, no. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like knees would just completely seize up, you know, the certain knuckles in my hand were like, you couldn't even touch them. And I'm like, okay, something's wrong oh. here. So, you know, ended up going to the doctor and like the first kind of thought was, you know, this is probably like arthritis. That's what you think of. Right. Um, but after, you know, they went ahead and um, did some blood work, they're like, okay, well, her liver enzymes are completely out of whack. Yeah. And that's really where it started as, you know, you're getting, we don't have a hepatologist here. And yeah. in my whole time, you know, you know, having a, a challenged liver, <laughs> <laughs> we've never had a hepatologist in Saskatchewan. So really? I see a GI, a gastroenterologist, mm -hmm. and he has a great connection up in, um, at the U of A in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And that's where the transplant is done as well. Yep. And so it's just a lot of back and forth there. So, so take me to your diagnosis and tell me a little bit about autoimmune hepatitis and what it's like to receive that news at 17. Yeah, for sure. So super wild. Yeah. So two weeks, two weeks after I graduated, yeah, the ripe age of 17, <laughs> um, yeah, they finally have the diagnosis um, of, so what we start to say is AIH, because you hear the word hepatitis and they're like, well, Brandy got a contaminated <laughs> something or a tattoo in Mexico. And, right. and it's like, and no, I'm just a 17 year old girl, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it basically just means that your immune system is attacking your liver cells. Like it doesn't think oh. your liver is your own and- much like having a transplant, you go on immunosuppression to, 
you know, stop your own immune system from attacking your liver. Right. And I don't think I realized at that age how serious it was. Like, yeah. I wasn't like on Google, you know, like, yeah. was Google a thing? Then I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. Yeah. yeah. Ask Jeeves. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, doctors, you know, a lot of, th- a lot of the time they don't want to like freak you out and everything. So yeah, we just went into it, you know, like one appointment at a time mm-hmm. and just, you know, okay, well, oh, I have it. Let's just, let's just see what we can do to, yeah. you know, before it starts to do too much damage. Right. So what was your trajectory at that point? Like you were just, you were just finishing high school. Did you have plans to go on to university or what was your plan at that point? I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't want to be one of those people to go to school just to go to school. Okay. I was still kind of, I was working at Walmart. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Living my best life there, you know, yeah. 10% discount and all. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I didn't have a plan. I knew I knew I wanted to do something in in the realm of like marketing ad campaigns or something. That's always what really compelled me. Right. And then really, um, it wasn't for a couple of years when, you know, I was really, you know, stuck at home and, you know, we had our computer where I really got to figure out what I wanted in life. Yeah. So yeah, at, my plan then was just, you know, work at Walmart yeah. um, and hang out with my friends. Good. Yes. Right on. <laughs> awesome. So what comes next after this diagnosis? Like what is life like between diagnosis and when you started going through the liver failure? Right. Um, so you just start like a course of treatment with like, you know, immunosuppression. And, you know, I think a lot of people will relate to the word prednisone. It's prescribed quite often for yep. a variety of conditions. Mm-hmm. Really great drug for you know, for a lot of things, but when you're on that medication long-term, it has very serious side effects. Um, That going along with being diabetic too, you know, trying to balance, you know, your blood sugars with, you know, the medication you take um, for all your conditions, that's in itself is a very big challenge. Um, So really just trying, you know, we, I saw the, the doctor, you know, every month, then we keep doing blood work and biopsies and just hoping that, we could get um, the disease to go into remission before I started to scar my liver. Oh, okay. Yeah. So So that was the plan. Exactly. And then it just got to the point where I wasn't responding. And so- How does that feel? I I remember the day, actually, I think I was in marketing at that point. I was 21 and I think I was in Moose Jaw, you know, taking a two-year marketing program. And I remember I was sitting at a bar there and- yeah, I think one of my friends asked me like, oh, how are things going? And like the day before, literally, they told me that I wasn't responding. Oh. And I was just, I think I just cried. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, And at that time, you know, I didn't really share a lot. So they're like, why is this girl crying? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, who is this lady? Right. So um, it was really hard then. I remember I, I went every single Wednesday to my liver appointment. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where like, I just hated Wednesdays. Like, yeah. Wednesdays sucked because... Mm. Every time I go, it, it was never like, hooray news. It was like, okay, not bad. Yeah. But then I got it where it's like, okay, this isn't going to work. Because yeah, if you were 21, that would have been like four years or three and a half exactly. years of treatment where uh, you're going every yes to hear that news. That's got to feel so deflating. Yeah, and it's just like nothing's good and you're you're not feeling super great. And yeah. you know, at that point, I didn't have huge symptoms. So basically once you know that kind of happens... You go into, you're calculated on what's called called a MELD score. Mm. So that's the model for end-stage yeah. you know, liver disease. Yeah. And, you know, that higher that number goes, you know, the more, you know, quite frankly, the risk you are of dying that shortens your time frame. Right. So that's, uh, that's, that's the kind of calculator they go off of until you're like, okay, you know, it's time to be listed for a liver transplant. Yeah. 
So what symptoms were you feeling at this point? You said they were minor. What, when you're going through things like this, what kind of things are you feeling? Yeah. So when my liver really started to go, itchiness was like your whole, this whole oh. body, like insane itchiness. So taking lots of oatmeal baths and yeah. Benadryl and everything, you know, trying to curb that. Mm-hmm. Um, turning yellow obviously was a huge one. My the whites of my eyes went like a yellow green. Yeah. My skin was yellow, so stopped wearing yellow. I still remember I had this yellow purse. I'm pretty sure it was from like World of Trout or something right. like, you know, something cool. Oh, I forgot about World of Trout. Do you Trout. remember that? Yeah. 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 It's probably like Volcom or something like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, I can never carry this yellow purse because I'm literally the color of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, turning yellow was a huge thing. Um, and then also ascites, which is when you accumulate fluid in your abdomen. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to go for tappings where you'd literally go to the hospital, you know, they ultrasound into a pocket of fluid and yeah. they just try to drain off all the fluid. So, you, oh. yeah, so you kind of start to look, you know, quite pregnant, like you right. get quite like a hard belly. And yeah. um, so those were like the big three that I really remember. Totally. Yeah. So describe what came next after you received this news. What does liver failure start to look like? Yeah. So after the symptoms, you know, the symptoms are hard and then it gets to the point where you're, you know, you're quite uncomfortable. You're not feeling well. Mm -hmm. So basically for me, I, and I was in and out of the hospital all the time, like tons of blood infections, like your body is just like breaking down basically. So you just go on a course of, um, antibiotics if you can, and then just pain management really. Um, so, you know, hydromorphone, Dilata, like all those like, okay. you know, big name things. Yeah. Those you're, are like big, heavy, yes. kill, like heavy painkillers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's what's given to you until you're comfortable and good. Yeah. I was, I was listed about five months before my transplant. I think I had a really big ordeal where because my liver was so bad, it had blocked up my gallbladder. Mm. Um, and that started spilling and poisoning in my body. So I had ended up in ICU at the time with, you know, 20% chance to live. Um, uh, just, yeah, my body was shutting down and I I don't remember. So something happens probably to a lot of people when you're really sick, but you disassociate from all those things. Yeah. So a few weeks leading up to this ordeal, um, I don't have any recollection of it. Really? Yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting. It is. Um, and a bit horrifying because you're like, what did I do or say during that time? Yeah. And so it's like your mind is protecting you yes. from the news that yeah. something is like that threatening you. You're basically like, yeah, not in a you're good in spot. So yeah. you go somewhere else. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I, my mom tells me like fills in those gaps for me when that happens. And all she said, you know, she came to the house where I was living with, um, with my partner at the time, which yeah. that could take that's another podcast in itself. Yeah. Um, the person I lived with at the time was not very supportive oh. um, of my liver failure and yeah. didn't quite believe that it was happening. So, you oh. know, you call, call the ambulance. Well, why are you calling the ambulance? No, you're not actually sick kind of thing. Yeah. So I was in bed from what I hear for about four or five days before my mother, you know, made a reason to come over, yeah. saw me in bed and was like, holy poop bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get this get this girl to the hospital. So yeah, we yeah. called 911, got there, was put into a medically induced coma. <gasps> and then they just, you know, for two weeks tried to get me better. Like I, I think of the situation and I was like, gosh, that's intense. Like I hadn't even had my liver yet. I, I wasn't even listed. Yeah. And, and that in itself almost just took me out there. Yeah. Um, so you're not even listed not and e- you're having yes. this much. Of that, a- yeah. It's just a constant battle of like, other side effects happening like yep. so and that's one of the big r- things like you know you have to be healthy to be on 
any yeah. organ organ list, yeah. right? There's such a shortage of organs. Mm-hmm. So they don't just be like, okay, well, we'll give one and you can just see how you do. Like you yeah. literally, you have to be super sick, yeah. but also healthy. Very healthy, could run a marathon <laughs> Exactly, the next day. Yeah. yeah. So it's always like this constant battle of like, well, she's not sick enough for one yet. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, she's... Yeah, she's too sick. She's too sick yeah. now to like withstand the transplant. Oh. Yeah, so, you know, I was lucky I pulled out of that. And, you know, when you think of like how serious those things are, for me, I was like, okay, I remember I was in the hospital. It was pretty serious, but it wasn't really there. I remember, you know, there was two events for me where I was like, holy crap, that was serious when, you know, I moved out of my my parents' house and I found like the duo tang that they gave them of planning your loved one's funeral. Oh, no. And it's like they they were literally planning my funeral because yeah. they like it wasn't expected for me You're to pull 20%, through. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And then I had seen a doctor that actually um he's retired now, Dr. Lewis. Okay. Um and he was my mother's GI doctor at the time, but it was him who saw me, I guess, in emergency and just something clicked and he's like, I know what's happening. So he was the one that really saved my life that oh. time. And um, a month or two later, I went with my mom to her appointment just to thank him. And he just turned white and was in shock because for them and a lot of the staff, they thought I had died. Yeah. And so it's those reactions, when you, which really brings you back and you're like, oh, this stuff is serious. Cause yeah. you know, when you live and breathe it, you really don't know. Totally. So, so a duo ting and a visit to the doctor <laughs> yeah. just kind of settled things for yeah, you. Yeah. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So do you remember like kind of coming out of that kind of disassociation and realizing like, oh, like this isn't something that a normal like 22 year old would go through. Yeah. How I really know that I was in it at the time, because apparently when I'm in that stage and it happened to me a couple years ago as well, I apparently talk and sound similar, like I'll yeah. text people or whatever. Yeah. And it's not until like we bring up a memory or something and they're like, remember that? And I'm like, no. Yeah. And so like they're referencing something that happened, but I, and those are really triggering for me. Cause I'm like, like, cause you, you don't know what you said or did. That's and like, so, interesting. so there's not a moment when you know, know that it's not happening anymore it's just when yeah somebody brings up an event and you you don't remember it happening that's so interesting and horrifying yes it's like it's both yeah it's like you go into autopilot Mm -hmm. um and then but like the emotional center of your brain is like turned off or something because it doesn't want you to feel like it's alarm bells exactly it's like you just physically emotionally mentally you know you can't process what's happening to you so yeah parts of your mind just yeah check right out but still the robotic version of you is up front for people to interact with that's consistent with like trauma like trauma patients like they they turn off it's like your your mind is like pre-repressing yes what it's going through so that you don't have to live this later on exactly interesting when did you start to go onto the um the list for receiving a liver. Right. So it was right after that event. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, um, you know, all was all cleared and good to go. So that was yeah, in October. I was on the list. Yeah. For just about five months. And then, um, you know, went on, you know, a- antibiotics, you know, every week to just, it was right over like flu season, of course, too. So, yeah. you know, I was masking before masking was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're please, such a pioneer. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the pioneer of masking <laughs> the and, and of quarantining. Masks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, I, I had a good friend at the time, Heather, she'd just come over and hang out with me. We would do ridiculous photo shoots, watch TV. <laughs> like she was my, my only you know, really connection to the outside yeah. world, but really just staying at home, masking, trying to keep 
I'm getting just a basic cold because if even if you have a cold, yeah. you can't do your surgery. Oh. So yeah, it was just five months of that. But you know, five months is really a short time in comparison to a lot of people's weights. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day is oh, when, when I got lucky. the call. Yeah, yeah. lucky me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so five months, that's it, hey? Yep. It yeah. just and and what happened was because that event was so severe and did so much to my body, I jumped right to the top of the transplant. That list. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And does it does age have to do with it at all? Like, um, there's many factors that go into it, um, but basically, when you're matching with for your liver, it's more like medically. Like, does it fit your body? Is the blood type is like right. there a tissue match? Um, those are the majority of the parameters um, that really go into you know deciding who and first like who matches all that cri- yeah. criteria criteria, and then who is going to be able to take that liver as long as it would have, you know, naturally. For so, sure. yeah. And does your AIH have anything to do with like whether your body can accept it or not? Um, yes and no, because the disease is like an immune disease. So it'll never go away. I still have it even with my new liver. Um, and so the hope is that it'll just stay in remission with this, the, with the new course of medication. Yep. And hopefully it just you know, appreciates these livers. <laughs> these livers oh, also oh, nice. Yeah, this is new to me. <laughs> yeah, I like this visitor. Yeah, yeah. Stay. Uh, yeah. He, oh. seems, he seems quaint. I like you know? that. All right, on. Yeah. So what what goes through your mind when you get that news? Like, we have a liver for you. It's it's go time. Yeah. So um, in my situation, because I was so sick, um, basically, you know, if I had to kind of take whatever kind of came along, I had a very short window to live. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of said summer of that year would of t- 2009 would kind of be when it'd be like Ooh. end game for me. So, <sighs> yeah. So that comes into play in the sense that when you receive an organ, um, for example, I got the call and my was um, like a special case. So the person had died or was dying of meningitis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was considered a high risk liver, meaning that I could take it, but that person could give me meningitis. Okay. So I made the decision during that call. Um, do you want to wait for another one or do you want to risk taking this one? Ooh. We'll treat you for meningitis. And I had, I had already prior to that had fungal meningitis. Yeah. It was a different variation. Okay. I've had so many things. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so, um, but yeah, I was just like, let's go for it. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. So yeah, I got, I got that call on, um, like St. Patrick's Day. It was actually my mom who got the call. I was sleeping okay. and she wakes me up and shaking me. You've got a liver, you've Aww. got a liver. And my, I think my first result, I was like, I'm, Mom, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> snooze on mom's yeah. liver news. <laughs> and but yeah, you know, you come to and you're like, oh man. But you know, at that point, you're so sick, and it's kind of different waiting for a liver as opposed to kidneys, which I know um, we'll get into. But yeah. with a liver, like you know, there's an end date where you're just not going to be here. Yeah. Um. So your mind kind of shifts, and like, okay, you're just like in this mode. You're on a ton of medication, so you know. You're a bit supported more mentally because of all like the happy drugs you're on. Yep. And you just know that really getting that news is really just going to be your best case outcome. So it wasn't too emotional. I wasn't emotional over the whole thing. I was just so tired of fighting for totally. so many years. Yeah. Um, I was just a relief to get it, you know, relief for my mom who had to, you know, watch it and my dad and, you know, my brother. And it's, it's hard to watch somebody so young. Yeah. Um, Go and I always say it's way harder to be a caregiver yeah. or a family member than to be the patient because you can't do anything about you can't watch. control anything exactly. You just have to show up, yeah. and especially like your parents. Like yes. that's not the circle of life. That's no. not the way it's you're, supposed you're, to happen. They're not to go before you. Exactly. Kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you get the surgery. Tell me yes. about the surgery and what came after that. Right. So the surgery started in Edmonton. So I had 20 minutes at that point to pack up and get to the to the airport okay. where I took up. What, what, what do you pack? Exactly. Right. I'm just like, like I'm probably oh, going to wear a bathing suit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. a hot tub there. Yeah. There, exactly. Is there a pool? Like, <laughs> what am I bringing? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right, though. You're yeah. just like, at that point, you don't even care. They're like, they probably have like robes or something yeah. I can wear. Um, so, yeah, we went to the airport. You know, flew with a couple nurses, landed at the airport, took a, a cab to, you know, U of A. You, oh. you go shower to totally cleanse your body and yeah. all this stuff to get all clean. They give you some other things to clear you out so you're all good. Good. And then, yeah, I got wheeled into surgery about 4.30. So my mom came with me on the plane and then, you know, my dad drove up after. Oh. So, yeah, got in. I think rolled into surgery when they're finally rolling you out. And that was the only time I cried when oh. I hit that hallway and my mom was walking beside me and everybody's around you. It's a very surreal experience. Absolutely. And yeah, I bawled, I put the covers over my head and bawled all the way to the OR. Oh. And and that was just kind of like my first, like after, you know, four years of like, oh God, it's finally happening. So yeah, there's obviously risks, you know, with bleeding and like, will this come out? Will it reject right away? Will yeah. the liver show up and it's actually not in good quality? Yeah. Um, um, so you go over those like long before, like you're evaluated on all those things. You're also evaluated on like your emotional support, your yep. psych, a psych eval, who's around you that will support you afterwards. Like yep. they won't give transplants if you don't have a support system. Mm. Um, so we were prepared for all of that when we, when we rolled in and whatnot. Awesome. So, yeah. Oh, do you remember like right before you went under? I do. <laughs> Tell me about that. Okay. So... <laughs> Do I want to share this on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. um, so fun story. Yeah, they give you um, enemas. Okay. And let's just say <clears throat> the enema did not do what it was supposed to do before oh. I rolled in. So my very last memory of going <laughs> oh, under no. is doing what the enema should have done when I was near a washroom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so now everyone who knows me will have that beautiful picture. But the last thing going under was that experience. And everyone's like, you're just going to have to go now. We don't have like bedpans in here and everything. Right. So that it was my last horrific memory. Uh, well, this is, awesome. this, this could be my very last, you know, Neurons. I was imagine like like saying goodbye to your mom or like no no it wasn't that that. classy or emotional (laughs) no this was this was pure humiliation but it's just like whatever you know they've seen it they've seen worse that's what you could always take comfort in exactly yeah oh that's awesome (laughs) so tell me about waking up like yes tell me about that. Um, at that point, I had like I still had like the tube in my throat, like I couldn't talk or anything. I had yep. a feeding tube in, so like you're given like a whiteboard to communicate or whatever thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, I didn't have to write; they just kind of updated me right away and said like it all went good. You know, you're good. And I think I fell asleep again. Mid uh, mid news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just keep snoozing the best yeah. news ever. <laughs> yeah, well, no, not right now. Yeah. I just got a yeah. I yeah. just got more morphine. <laughs> Tell me later. <laughs> So yeah, they uh, filled me in, but yeah, in ICU for four or five days is they slowly, you know, like remove like your feeding tube, like your breathing tube and all those things. Do you remember feeling like relieved or what were you feeling at these moments? I remember like bringing my hands up and feeling the bandage yeah. on my abdomen because I have, you know, 70 staples to, to, wow. to close me. It's like yeah. a Mercedes Benz shape. Yeah. And for me, I was just like, 
I, I'm like, I really wanted to know like what it was going to look like. People always tell you like the horrible things, but, yeah. and of course you don't know a lot of people that this happened to. So totally. no one's like, oh yeah, like my scar is so minimal. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not like I could be on Facebook and ask people like how their transplant scar right. looks like, you know, it's a, very, <laughs> it's a very niche community. True. So yeah, for me, I was just, you know, I touched it and that was really like, oh my God, it happened for me. Like it's yeah. in there. Like it's under that bandage. Yeah. Like surreal. Surreal. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what's recovery look like? Uh, yeah. So recovery was fairly easy. I think I was in ICU for five days and then I think I spent about 30 days including that in the hospital. So it's like once you have, um, a transplant, it's like, it's like all of your other muscles forget to work. Like, um, they try to get you up right away. Um, I I remember like, how do I bend my ankles? And then because you haven't bent them for so long, like, you know, as you're in bed, you're like your feet drop. And so I remember standing up for the first time and just getting like, horrible like calf crabs and everything because yeah. like it, it hasn't been stretched in so long so really you're trying to relearn to kind of walk again mm-hmm. you have no strength and then of course like because you like they cut across every abdominal muscle you have like yeah. you just have no abdominal strength so it's really just really just putting your back your body back together and yeah. trying to reg- regain strength like in every sense of the word absolutely yeah how long were you in the hospital after this? Um, so I had to stay in Edmonton for three months. That's standard. Is it? Wow, yeah. that's a long time. It's, <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah. But, you know, it was great. My my parents, you know, rented a condo right across the street from the hospital, and it yeah. just happened to be right off White Ave. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after the 30 days, we lived in there for two months. Okay. And, you know, went back and forth to the hospital for, you know, blood checks and physio. Like, it was physio every day. In order to get out of the hospital, you need to be able to like sit up by yourself. So they come and they're like, put you flat down in a bed and they're like, okay, try to get up. Yeah. And, and so you're like, okay. It's like an escape room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, and they do grip tests and everything. And I think the only thing I needed at that time was like a raised toilet. Cause like I had like little spaghetti legs and I just like, right. like to like, yeah, it's really crazy. Like the muscle atrophy that happens, yeah. you know, after those events. So, um, yeah, it's really just trying to gain those things. And totally. yes, yeah, so we stayed there for three months and then I was able to come back home. How are you feeling emotionally in these three months? Are you feeling like, Ugh. I can't believe this is uh, happening? It, it's just like, because you go through it for so long and you forget what normal feels like. Yeah. Like, and you get so used to what it what it's like that, you know, it happens and you're healthy. So I'm just like freaking doing six days down White Avenue <laughs> thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to be a cop now. <laughs> I'm going to be a cop. Because... <laughs> I'm like, they could do anything and I can do anything. So I'm going to be in the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm joining the Marines tomorrow. (laughs) So, I I mean, that's really what goes through. Like, you just feel like unstoppable. So, yeah, I'm just starting down wide Ave. Well, you were getting bad news consistently for four years. Yeah. Now you just get hit with this, like, surreal, guess what? We have a liver for you and it works. It works. And at that point, you know, you don't really have any limitations, you know? Surreal doesn't even, it's just, it's just awesome. There's, there hasn't been words invented yet to describe what it's like. Totally. Yeah. So through this process, your kidneys were depleted to 26% of their normal function. And you were told that you'd eventually need a kidney transplant. Yeah. So you're receiving this like euphoric news, but you've <laughs> yeah. also received like this like wah, yeah. wah, like that uh, kind yeah. of hormone. Exactly. Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, during the whole liver failure, you know, my kidneys were taking quite a hit. Um, and just with those events, um, yeah, my kidneys just never responded. Mm-hmm. So I was happy that I had time, you know, 26% could last, you know, like a week, you know, it could last you 
20 years. Although right. I think that's a little rare. Yeah. But they basically gave me the time frame, like, you know, within 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew what I wanted to do with that time is, you know, I was thankful thankful to even have that amount of time. I was like, okay, I can go live like a normal human yeah. for possibly 10 years. So I, at that point, I had gone to school for, yeah, I think I did a year of new media, new media communications. I did two years of marketing. And then, you know, I got back home. It took me about a year to heal from the liver. And I was like, okay, what's Brandy going to do now? I think yeah. I was 25, 26 when that happened. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I got a limited amount of time. What is Brandy going to do with her life? Yeah. Is she going to be a admin assistant? Because that's all I had been. <laughs> yeah. Like, is she going to go back and work at Walmart? Right. Like, <laughs> She's going to join the Marines. Yeah, or is she joining the Marines? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you got options. Yeah. So I thought, you know, what, what will make sense for me? But most importantly, what has always been my passion? And, you know, I knew my health was always going to continue to be a challenge. So... Um, I decided, you know, let's follow this path of graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really what I took out of like the marketing course. And, and what I really liked was actually being on the computer yep. and actually creating these, these things. Yep. So when I made that decision, it was like a week before the deadline for applications at Red River College in Winnipeg. Okay. And I specifically chose that college because there was um, an entrance portfolio exam they don't just accept anybody you yeah. know you 300 apply about 50 get in okay so I thought you know if I get accepted you know this means that like this is really my path and I really should do this yeah. and I hadn't drawn in so long and all this stuff so yeah. you know they sent me the package to complete and yeah obviously I got in yeah. and moved to Winnipeg you know yeah you know, my parents were like, yeah, finally seen their their little 26 or 20, I can't remember how it was, girl, fly away yeah. to Winnipeg. To the land of Olive Garden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Taco Bell. I <laughs> oh, love Taco Bell. We need one we here. We love that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I went. I spent the two years there and yeah. learning from the, the best in the industry and, more importantly, met some really amazing people. My, yeah. my best friend, uh, Matt, I was his best ma'am at his wedding Cute. and he was my man of honor at mine so um yeah so it was really just like the best decision and obviously set me on a really good path to complete my career that's awesome how yeah. are you feeling in these i keep asking this question how are you feeling but the parody like in your story in terms of like you go from a 20 percent chance of living <laughs> yeah. to now getting all you can eat breadsticks at all started <laughs> yeah. whatever you want and and going on this awesome career path like is it has it sunk in for you at this moment that like I survived something, another battle's coming, but what, yes. what are you going through? It, it, it very much has like looking back on, uh, I really like talking about it cause it really it, like really puts it like, like obviously I don't think about my life as like a whole, but you know, as I talk about it with people, I'm like, damn, like I've, I've been through it yeah, totally. yeah. <laughs> and like, and not only like, you know, like just like health wise and doing basic stuff, but like, like, I feel so proud of myself that I did that. But not only yeah. doing that, too, I paid off, like, my 15K loan by yeah. myself while being sick during all this time. I bought a house. And, like, I, I feel like I'm keeping up with what a regular person would do as yes. well. So I, I feel, like, very proud that I have been able to, you know, keep up. And I haven't let it, like, you know, put me down where, like, I'm just not home. This is just my life. Oh, woe is me. So totally. I, I feel proud that I've been able to like keep pushing forward yep. and, you know, 
take the good when it comes. Like I grind, I hustle at work, you know, yep. when I, when I have all the energy, I put it all into my passion, which is like design and multimedia work and branding. Yep. And, um, and then when I feel like crap, well, that's when I step back and, you know, I feel like crap for a few days yep. and it's really, you, you just learn to juggle those two things. Yep. So. And that's such great perspective mm-hmm. is being proud of your battle scars, yes. like your literal and figurative yep. battle scars and being able to look back and say, I'm, I'm pretty resilient. Yes. And, and that's, that's awesome that you take pride in that. So give me a snapshot of when your kidneys started to, um, you started to notice some issues with your kidneys. Right. Uh, I think it was when I hit maybe around 15% function. And here, you know, after 15%, you can start dialysis. And once you're on dialysis, you can be listed. Yeah. Um, and so the symptoms, symptoms for me were really just, um, I was gaining fluid a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my potassium would go high. That potassium is a huge thing with renal fa- failure. You know, a lot of like the nutrients and healthy things that yeah. like, oh, you should eat all these things. It's like, well, no, my body can't filter them out. Yeah. So they're totally. just building up. So it's like, and then like any liquid you take into you, like you're, you don't, filter that out. Yeah. So you like you gain fluid and just became so tired and almost like I had the flu so often. Yeah. So I remember I was working at Gas Buddy at the time and it was a Thursday and I think I was around, I had just got out of the hospital um, with influenza, which yeah. caused me to be in the hospital for a week mm. um, and I needed a blood tra- transfusion. So it was just like more and more strain. So at 8%, I called in, I threw in the towel and I called my nephrologist and said, I'm done. I'm ready. Let's yeah. start dialysis. Yeah. And so, yeah, they got me in that next day. And that was kind of like, yeah, the beginning, beginning of like, okay, now I got to, now I got to do dialysis and full-time work. So tell me what dialysis is. I think a lot of people hear that term and mm-hmm. they know that that has to do with kidneys and, yes. and, and helping your kidneys function. Tell me what it, what it is to find it. Yeah. When you are hooked, your body's hooked up. Um, there's a couple of ways you can hook up to a machine. It pulls the blood out of your body, goes through, you know, a filtration, filtration system, um, your bath, what is added to it after, you know, throw some nutrients back in because your blood is completely stripped of everything. Yeah. And so they put back in the important stuff and then they put it back into you. Interesting. Yeah. So that process being hooked up um, is typically about three and a half hours. Some people can go longer. Some people go shorter depending oh. on, on how your body responds to it. If it if it handles it okay. Like So yeah, Um. and I had a tricky fistula just in the means that it was just really hard to cannulate me, which means poke me. So okay. I had a really great group of nurses that knew that and, yeah. you know, would often stagger their breaks around when, you know, Brandy's showing up because yeah. they knew how, how hard it was and just like the mental tax oh. of like, not only do you go every other day, but you're going and you're going to like experience first a whole bunch of pain and yeah. then you're going to lay in that bed for three and a half hours. And it's... What do you do during that oh time? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? So yeah. I think the first couple of years I would watch Netflix. Um, I would try to save all the shows that, you know, I would normally watch at home. I'd save them for Netflix. So, you know, yeah. I wouldn't crush a whole season. I would like wait for those to watch those like cliffhangers. So I had something to look forward to. I'm oh. like, oh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get to see what happens in this episode. I can't wait for dialysis. Exactly. To I, see. I need to know what happens. <laughs> oh <my> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so really th- that was it. Um, sometimes I would work, I'd bring my laptop. Um, it was difficult cause I only had one arm to work, but there were occasions at time where, you know, I, I did have work deadlines and, mm-hmm. you know, just being in the industry, I worked at real at the time. So an event-based industry, you know, yeah. so-and-so is playing a concert. We need to get this creative out. And yeah. so, you know, I'm there like one arm in it on a laptop. <laughs> it's like Bon Jovi's coming yeah. to Regina. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he needs a social media release. Yeah. 
So yeah, get old. And are you telling people at work that this is what you're going you through? You know, I waited six months or seven months before I told anybody. Wow. Um, and really what made me just tell is like, you know, you get questions. Oh, what did you do on the weekend? What did you do tonight? <laughs> and and I'm like, I watched. I watched a great movie at dialysis. Yeah, yeah. and my blood was clean. Yeah, <laughs> and then my blood was really clean. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I fainted because they took too much blood out. Oh my God. Or like, yeah, I had a really bad leg cramp or totally. something. Like, it just gets to the point because it's so much a part of your life that it's hard not to talk about. Totally. Um, you know, when I first started applying for jobs before I finished graphic, or right when I finished graphic design school. I was like, well, how do I explain this like three year liver gap yeah. on my resume? And my mother's like, don't tell them. Like she comes, you know, from old school days where like it, it's weak. They won't hire don't you. Don't show sick. them weakness. Yeah. But I, I literally put it on there as a life hiccup. And, you know, I've never had an interview oh, and not awesome. have been offered a job. I, I think, you know, people really appreciate it. And it does show resilience and let you don't quit oh, and back yeah. down. So And hard work comes from that. Exactly. That sort of it's just, it, it's yeah. just, it's made me who I am. Yeah, and no. I can't lie about backpack. I'm like, I don't even own a backpack, mother. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've really just embraced that as part of who I am. Yeah. So nothing says work ethic, like getting 10 yeah. hours of blood clean yeah. dialysis every week for three years. Right? Exactly. Okay. Let's pause for a quick second. Whether it is organ failure or something else, it's likely that at some point in your lifetime, you or a loved one will need to take some time off work to fight an illness or receive surgery. To make sure you're equipped in case that happens, I reached out to Chantel Shinbein, who is a workplace wellness specialist at Conexus, and I asked her if I were to find out that I would need to take some time or extended leave from work due to illness, what would be covered for me and what steps should I take? This is what she had to say. Nathan, being prepared for an unexpected serious health issue is so important. Some of the things that you could proactively do to ensure that your finances are not negatively impacted if you were to become ill, or if you need to take time away from work to care for a loved one, or talk with your employer just to learn about benefits and types of leaves that would be available to you. I would also encourage you to review your group and individual health insurance plans to understand if you have a disability program that will support you financially while you're away from work and what impact it may have on your regular income. Some group benefit plans also offer critical illness. The money you receive can help to keep your household running and cover lost wages if a family member has to take time away from work to care for you. If you're unsure if this is something that you'd be eligible for, reach out to your employer or insurance provider. And if you don't have coverage and need time away from work, you can also research benefits that are offered through the Government of Canada. Uh, you may be eligible for financial support under the Sick Benefit Program or Caregiver Benefit Program. And then once you've gathered all that information, I would encourage you to reach out to your financial advisor. There are ways to help ease financial burden during these stressful times, and planning ahead can help you protect both your family and your financial security during an illness. Thanks, Chantel. She's right. It's never too early to be proactive and have that conversation with your financial advisor to make sure you are covered in case life throws you a curveball. Let's throw it back to our interview and find out what came next for Brandy. So what are the differences between like a liver transplant and waiting for a kidney transplant? Yeah. So I often thought, you know, when I, I knew I had to get one and I was meeting with the kidney doctors, you know, 
you know, you're planning for your surgery. And yeah. I'm like, okay, th- this sounds all great for the kidney. Is my liver going to be safe too? Because the yeah. constant worry is like, okay, these meds work for the kidney, but they're not for the liver. Yeah. So, you know, my whole concern over the whole time is like, I said, when I go in for my kidney, one, make sure my blood sugars are under control. I'm yeah. still diabetic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> True. Through this, and I don't even talk about that because that just seems like freaking peanuts <laughs> at this point. And like, I'm like, make sure my liver doesn't, I'm like, I can't go through liver rejection again. And then I just think too, but like, I don't think I could go through dialysis again. Right. And so with dialysis, you know, I think it's actually more mentally straining. Yeah. Um, it took me two years to get on the list. Um, I think about 10% of dialysis patients actually make it onto the list. <sighs> um, everyone needs a kidney and there's so few donors. Um, and it's just literally like day, you know, day after day, like, okay, I have one day where I don't have dialysis. Okay, yeah. I'm going to shower today. Yay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to do laundry. Woo. And then the next day is like work, leave work, go to dialysis, get home five hours later, eat supper at 1030 or 11, um, go to bed, you know, work, trying to recover from the treatment and, mm-hmm. and then never knowing when that day is going to come. Yeah. And I waited for that day for four and a half years. Oh. And like, it is... Uh, to say it's hard would be, yeah, an understatement. Like, it's it's like a gym contract. Like, when I signed up for California Fitness back <laughs> in the day, it was a horrible gym membership. But I could get out of it with the doctor's note. Like, this is yeah. something that the only thing that's going to keep you alive is you and your spirit and your drive. Yeah. Because you don't go to dialysis. I mean, you get, you, you, you die. Yeah. That's, it's a life-saving, life-saving therapy. Yeah. So, you know... If you choose to not go, that's on you and yeah. that's your option. Is there like a community of people that like, do you see, like when you're in bed, like are you sitting beside other people? Like, do you get to know others that are going through the same thing? Yeah. So there's four, four or five bays, um, bays that they're called um, yeah. at the Regina in general. So yeah, you're about six feet from um, your other people. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's kind of sad in the way. And I remember when I first started going, um, this elderly couple they were well into their 80s. The woman would, would come and, you know, get her husband on. And then after, like, you know, a couple weeks, she'd walk over and she just would say, like, I'm so I'm so happy to see you. You're smiling every time you come in here and you're so cheery. She's like, it's been, it's been a little depressing because everybody, you know, is not smiling and, like, oh. everyone's just kind of laying, quite frankly, depressed in their bed. And, yeah. you know, it's hard. So no one really, really talks to each other. Um so it's not like a happy environment to be in. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate to get a schedule change in my last year where I met my great friend Louie. Yeah. Um, he was on dialysis for, dialysis for 20 years before oh. he got his news. Oh. Um, and when he got his kidney, that like instilled so much life into me. Oh. <laughs> like just finally seeing someone actually get it. Yeah. Um, so that really gives us all hope is when we see like so yeah. like so and so's bed's empty like and yep. you're just like hoping it's for like the better reason exactly exactly so Aww. um so th- you know that's really what we work for is like trying to you know you're happy for others and you're just like waiting for your time to come yeah that's gotta be so frustrating knowing that like volume is. Yeah. The, the issue yes. as to what's stopping people from exactly. getting their transplant. Yeah. And I read that you had a connection to the Logan Boulay effect. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So at the time of the accident, I was working, like I said, at Real. And, you know, that's the whole property, which includes, you know, the brand center and the cooperator center. Yeah. So a lot of those kids played games, you know, um, grew up in, you know, the facility there. And as being, you know, a designer there, like when it happened at night, I remember I was 
happening on my PC. Yeah. Um, and the news was rolling in of this event. And, you know, we get a message from work where it's the all hands on deck. Yeah. So I was kind of in a weird perspective of just being related to the accident of, you know, just doing memorial pieces. And then the news came out that Logan was an organ donor. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it sounds callous or cold, but it was really the only marketing campaign, if you would, yeah. that has ever come to, you know, Canada, Saskatchewan, anything yeah. and that raised awareness for organ donation. And it was something like his parents, his family could have done, you know, just down on the download, like, yeah, you know, he was a donor, he saved lives, but, you know, they continue to talk about it. Yeah. And that alone gave everyone so much hope, you know, all of us waiting for an organ. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, finally somebody is talking about it and how important it is to like do this. And like he talked to his family about it. And mm. and so I really felt um, it connected to him in that way because I saw firsthand the wave of change that kind of happened. Yeah, um, yeah he saved six lives yes, because of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I say even more because of like he sparked like, at the time, it was 150,000 other people to yeah. sign up. Um, and I think it, it really is an effect because, you know, he was inspired by his rugby coach. And yeah. and it, it really is just, and he's inspired me and his family to talk about it when I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here, you know, totally. doing, you know, speaking engagements or, you know, talking about it in general. Like, I, w- like I wouldn't have done that without, you know, them being how strong are they are to continue talking about their son and his legacy. So true. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Tell me about the news that you received about your kidney and, <laughs> yeah. and what that was like. Yeah. You know, obviously I've been through a lot, so it was, it was a bit different this time around. Like yeah. I was like, like I said, dialysis for four and a half years. Like I was ready. Give me that little wee bean. Yeah. I'm ready to get this last transplant over with. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, my husband had just taken our dogs for a walk. I was getting ready to go di- to dialysis. It was a dialysis day. Yeah. And I just sitting there eating an eating an apple, and then the phone rings, and I saw that it was Saskatoon transplant. Oh my gosh! And I just had this feeling. I'm like, it was an odd time to call you. Like I hadn't just done blood work or anything like that. And I'm like, if there is a man on the other end of this line, I know it's a kidney thing because it's it's typically the nurses that call you, and they were all female at the yeah. time. And so yeah, sure enough. Um, it was one of the nephrologists and, you know, he's just asking me like how I was feeling. Actually, I had just seen him in clinic, like not too long uh, prior to that. And, and, you know, asked me some questions, like how I was feeling. And then he just said like, okay, well, I think we might have a kidney for you. And I'm just chomping on my apple. Like, cool. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> like, I still haven't eaten an apple since that day. I don't know why. Right. But like that apple is like... Like, that's yeah. a special that, that's Smith a, right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Had my own gala yeah. right there in that living room. Yeah, and then I went to dialysis. We called Taylor's parents to make sure that they could watch our dogs. And yeah. I actually was going to not tell my parents until after I came out of surgery. Like I wanted really? I wanted to just text my mother and be like, oh, by the way, I had a kidney transplant last night. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so she would kill you. She, she probably would have. <laughs> but you know, I was at I didn't tell anyone at dialysis. I just sat there with my little secret. Yeah. Looking around thinking, this is the last time I'm gonna be here. Oh, and I just awesome. grinned through the whole treatment. I was so excited. Yeah. Um, but I ended up texting her during dialysis. Yeah. And so 
it got blended in because she was trying to pick a color for her, her kitchen cabinet or something. <laughs> and so in between that, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm getting a kidney transplant. But you know, parents are when they're texting, they, they don't scroll up. Totally. And I'm like, hey, mom, scroll up a bit. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> then she reads it. And she was like, what? Why are you telling me th- this through text? She's like, oh, should I go with the, the cedar? Yeah, yeah, or yeah I- exactly. <laughs> Is this light maple color yeah. the one I want? <laughs> so oh. I was like, uh, firstly, yeah, that, that one looks good. Yeah. And secondly, you should scroll up. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then it was silent or whatever. And I was like, I haven't told anybody at dialysis here, but I'm like, I can talk on the phone if you want. And she's like, okay, let me stop crying first. And so, yeah, we had a good chat. And yeah, so it was really just like the final awesomeness for everyone. But yeah, we drove the next morning um, to Saskatoon. I think we had to leave at five to be there for eight. Um, And the event event that was happening for this um, that was different from my liver donor was, you know, there's there's two types of donations that can happen when like one is a cardiac death and one is a brain death. So with my liver, like um, the I believe it was a man, he was hooked up the entire time while you know the organ retrieval process ha- happened. Yeah. Um, like he was kept alive during that, and that was okayed with his family and because he was on life support. Yeah. Um, what happened with my kidney donor is again it was a high risk donation um, due to a high risk li- lifestyle. So again, it was up to me if I wanted to accept this kidney or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that just means is like they screen for all like, you know, street life, you know, things like diseases, viruses that can happen. Yep. And, you know, they screen you after. So th- those were the, the, the kind of complications um, that happen. And so I did accept it, obviously. Yep. Um, we went to um, Saskatoon the next day and waited 12 hours in a room mm-hmm. um, to see if this person was going to die in a different way. So basically what happened with them is they were pulled off life support um, and waited until their heart naturally stopped beating. Yep. And, and then they could go in and retrieve organs. Okay. Um, that's where it gets a bit complicated because they only have a small window um, yeah. before organs become yep. not viable. Right. Um, so that was the wait is like first, like this, I saw the helicopter come in. Yeah. Um, so and you're waiting for 12 hours. You're waiting for 12 hours. Knowing that this could not that it could potentially not happen. happen. Yeah. <gasps> and it's like my husband, like my husband, like he wasn't around for the liver one. He's yeah. never really experienced, you know, like, like being around like sickness and a lot. They yeah. come from a very strong German bloodline. Go right on. <laughs> so, Shout out to the Haynes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he... Um, it was very surreal for him. It was actually real. That that was probably my funnest part is just watching him react and yeah. and it really experience experience it. And I I knew in my gut it was going to happen. Like yeah. I I could feel it. Um. And so yeah, but it was a twelve hour wait. Um. It happened. The doctor rolled in about seven seven fifteen. Just like had a slight grin on his face, oh. and he's like, "It's a go." So at that point, um, I hadn't told anybody. Yeah. Um, outside of like our parents. And I think my brother. And so I sent a group chat to my closest friends. Yeah. And then I put a huge message out on Facebook. And yeah. I'm like, I'll read all these messages when I wake up tomorrow. Aww. And so, yeah, that's how the news went out. And then, yeah, 15 minutes later, I got rolled down. And, yeah, I, I was ready to go. Like, I didn't cry. Still haven't. It was just, yeah. like, a celebration, really. It was, like, finally putting an end to all of this yeah. madness for the last 20-some years. So, like, the parody between... 
you like the crappy experience yes. from the first time. The lowest of low. Yeah, the lowest of low and like putting your like your gown up and like yeah. crying in there is to now where you're like you feel like almost like a champion. Oh like, yeah. Like I to I took it. that iodine bar and I scrubbed my body with pride <laughs> yeah. again. I nailed that enema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I was I was just good to go. I gave I, when we went. In, that's funny. They marked your hand with a pen to make sure they do the right side. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, I just gave I just gave a thumbs up and I just said, "Do a good job." Yeah. And then I passed out. <laughs> and that was that. That's awesome. So tell me about recovery for this one. Getting like up the next morning, it was a lot quicker um, recovery time. Yeah, I was out in ten days. I did have. You know, it was a, a lot of pain in the area. I'm just in terms because I am so young. So typically, you know, younger people have more muscle. And yeah. the area where they went into is also where I had several of those liver taps where I was speaking about. So all the yeah. times that they, you know, and put a needle in my abdomen to, you know, remove fluid, so much scar tissue from all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, the muscle, the muscle pain, you know, was really... Um, it took a bit longer to heal, but 10 days and I was home and yeah. it was amazing. So what's that feel like? Like euphoric, like you're is, and this is done now, right? Yes. Like you don't have to worry about any other organs being impacted or anything like Correct. that. Done for organs. Yeah. They still want, like they keep trying to give me a pancreas with like every transplant and maybe I'll get a pancreas one day. Okay. Um, but it was ruled out by Edmonton to get one this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so done with organs. I finally have all my transplants. You know, I still had my band-aids on my arm from dialysis. Like yeah. I probably left those on for almost a month. Really? I didn't know if it was like a jinx thing, but I'm like, if I take those off, my kidney's going to fail <laughs> yeah, exactly. and I'm going to have to go back. And really that was my big worry. And like, it's a lot of worry for a lot of people after you get your organ is like the first year is the hardest. Mm -hmm. um, is this thing going to be okay? Yeah. Um, so in terms of that, you know, I was good. I did go into rejection in December of that year and I lost oh. a bit of function. Um, so that's fun. Just treated with more steroids. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, had another complication in May of this year too, yep. where, you know, I was found out that I had a narrowing. So typically, you're, you know, you're hooked up with, with one vein, one artery. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that I had two smaller arteries um, hooked oh. between me and my donor kidney. Gotcha. Um, and they're both small and there's like a narrowing in one. Yep. So it was just kind of slowly losing blood supply to like a third of my kidney. Okay. Um, and it was deemed that they couldn't put in a stint or, you know, fix that. So, yep. you know, and that news wasn't really hard to take. Um it's it's all it's typically usually all the work of as to why something's not working and not having a reason why. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you start thinking about the possibilities. Well, exactly. And then you're like, are we? How are we treat? Like not knowing or not knowing how to treat something. That that's what really gets me. But like, yeah. even if it's bad news or you know not awesome news, mm -hmm. at least we know what it is. Yeah. And so yeah, after I left left the hospital there, that's really when it's been you know good. Like uh, yeah. March or May, I can't remember. Yeah. It's, the time has flown by. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So that's really what was my last piece of bad news. And yeah. I know that I will need another kidney in, you know, likely 10 years, kind of the same thing. Okay. Um, it, and that is that typical? Like like a new kidney will like last about 10 years and you'll have um, to keep getting new ones? It can go up to 15 or more. Okay. Um, I had a friend just who just had her second one and that was after... 40 years or so mm -hmm. so they can last really long you know I did I don't think I had the best match but um being the accepting person that I am yeah. my body accepted it anyway love that and so yeah you know it's really different for everyone and you you really don't really know how somebody's gonna take it so there's never a definite answer but due to the few complications that I did have yeah we put it at around 10 years so yeah awesome. that's where we're at you seem like you have 
such great energy and perspective to not dwell on that yeah. and like really live in the present. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you. Yeah. That's really just how I live my life now. Um, uh, just doing now what I feel is right. Um, yeah. I'm not one to save my money for retirement. That's, that's <laughs> okay. for sure. Like, sure. um, like it, just as an example, you know, we, we went, we bought our, we bought a new house and they're like, okay. And what do you have for RSPs? And yeah. do you want like savings? And, you know, you just have like those honest conversations where, you know, it's not likely that I will live, you know, potentially into retirement Yeah, and that's my reality and that's fine. Um, so yeah, I very much live in the now. I, I am, I, I surround myself with good people. Like I've cut so many people out of my life, like, mm-hmm. um, good authentic people. Um, I keep, and that's really, that's really, I feel like what really keeps me going is just being surrounded by authentic people who are, are good, you know, potentially funny. Yeah. Um, and really just like when you go back to asking like, who is Brandy Hain? Yeah. Well, I don't want to be Brandy Hain, the sick girl, yeah. like the one who's been sick. Like I'm going to be Brandy Hain, you know, chief creative officer yeah. of blank company. Totally. <laughs> I want to just touch on really quickly why there is that like hesitancy or that reluctancy. Like I read that Saskatchewan and Manitoba have the lowest rates of of deceased donor rates in Canada. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that reluctancy is here in Saskatchewan, Manitoba? Yeah. um, I don't know if it goes down to like a very like personal, like, like the people that live here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what a lot of people don't consider when they're talking about this um, is that it actually comes from such a higher level, like within our hospital system. Like a lot of um, a lot of the people that, you know, train um, don't really have a lot of knowledge about organ donation, like in the scheme of like what your hospital offers. um, And especially here, you know, Saskatoon just does the kidneys and I think we do corneas. Okay, but just in terms of a list of services, organ di- organ donation has never been a, I guess, a priority right. um, within our healthcare system. And so, when you don't have people ch- trained um, and knowledgeable about that, or even part of like your medical degree, mm-hmm. um, that obviously trickles down to like a simple marketing campaign and awareness. Like they're not going to promote something, drive all these people, you know, to doing it when they don't have the support system actually in our healthcare system to complete transplants. Right. You know, typically, you know, you'd have people talking to people that that have loved ones in the ICU, but those conversations don't even happen because they, there's not even those positions open in hospitals. Yeah. Um, so really, it's just in terms of like prioritizing the important services needed in our communities. Yeah. So I think that's really where it starts is like them training, yeah. you know, the healthcare workers about organ donation, you know, yeah. talking to the surgeons. Um, the doctor's like, what's the new protocol if you have a surgery booked? Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, there's a potential person down the hall that could donate and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, some some people aren't even confronted about it and don't even know that they can donate loved ones' organs. Totally. So I think really that's where it's starting. That That's where it starts. And then, you know, that's really where the Logan Boulay effect came into play. Yeah. It's like, well, we're going to start it from the bottom then. Yeah. We're going to all want to donate. We're going to start it. So now we're going to push the higher ups. To make it a priority. To make it a priority. Yeah. And and obviously they've, they've taken steps. You know, they have the online thing now where you can, online registry where yeah. you can actually sign up to be a donor online. Where yeah, Before you could only do it if you were renewing your health card. Is that yeah. correct? And you would get the sticker? Yeah, this little sticker. Yeah. And I just think like, like my husband, for example, who's never been sick like a day in his life, he's like, I don't even know where my health card is. Yeah. And most people, like it goes to their parents, like their parents have their health card because 
unless you're like actually sick all the time, like you don't, you don't have your health card, let alone read like the organ part. You're like, yeah, right. okay, whatever. Yeah. Like it's just such, it's just such an afterthought. Yeah. And so now with that registry, obviously that's, that's really a game changer, I think for the system. For sure. So what would you tell somebody if there's somebody listening right now, who's like on the fence about it, haven't really even thought about it mm -hmm. or like just contemplating it. What would you tell that person um, about how organ donation can change someone's life? Yeah. I mean, I'm just one person and I, and I, I think I have a life worth <laughs> worth looking at like, and like you can save seven others. Yeah. Um, but no, on a more serious note, like, I understand people's hesitations. Um, if if it's because of religious region, reasons, I mean, I won't even touch it. That's, you know, that's part of your culture and whatnot. So right. that that's your choice. Yep. If it comes down to something like, you know, fear and not knowing what happens, um, first I'd say stop watching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> because that is not an accurate portrayal of how organ donation works. Um, for example, in Saskatchewan. What, like there's like a one to two percent, one to two percent of people actually donate their organs. It's more likely that you will need one before we actually take yours. Yeah. Um. It's not. It's not like this easy thing. Well, you know, Joe's down the hall, and you know, Betty's dying. So can we just give her him her heart? Yeah. Like it, it's just. It's not. It's a whole system of people and a whole chain of events. Yeah. Um. So I never want people to worry about that. Like, oh, they're not going to save my life. That's like. Girl, they're not even thinking about that right yeah. now. Like, it's not even the same people involved in in organ collection and whatnot. So, I, I'd say really just talk to your family about it. You know, make sure they're they're supportive and on board. Because even if you choose to be an organ donor, you know, they can still override your wishes. Yeah. Um, in the event of your death. Yeah. Um, so f talking to your family first and foremost is really you know the best way to start it, and then. Definitely um, talk to your healthcare providers, your GP, lots of resources online. Yep. You could message me if you want on sure. Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find. Right. Yeah. But first I just say thank you for even considering it. Yeah. Um, if you like, I know there's two boys right now, the age of 10 that are waiting for organs. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just like little, little old ladies or like, yep. you know, people my age, like it, it's obviously very rare that there's somebody um, under the age of 40 under the age of 50, even waiting for one. So yeah. it's people from all aspects. And how I kind of think of it is um, you never know what saving someone's life is going to do, like maybe even a hundred years from now, but maybe yeah. you're saving the person that's going to cure cancer. Maybe there's going to be, you're saving someone who's going to do something so big in the world that's going to help so many others. Love that. And that's kind of how I always think of like pushing forward and like inspiring people. It's like you just never know what your decisions are going to do, like a butterfly exactly. effect around the world. And you may never know. And you may never know. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, just get educated and talk to your family. And it's easier to do it now than it was before. You don't have to wait for your health card. Yes. Renewal. Yeah. You can do it online. Yeah. yeah. You know, check Facebook. Twitter and then go on that and yeah. then go on Reddit, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Add it to your list of to do's on your phone. It's quick to sign up too. Right? Oh yeah. It's yeah. like they need like three pieces of information yeah. and you're gold. Awesome. Yeah. What perspective wrapping this all up, what perspective have you drawn through this experience? You have been through many battles. <laughs> <laughs> what perspective have you gained through conquering kidney and liver failure? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Th you know, things always seem so bad and you think you're so incapable of doing things that are like outside of the normal, what like an average human lives. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, you'll be very surprised of what you can do as a human. Um, definitely take your time. Like if hard things arrive, you know, 
you know, grieve, you know, pout for a day, but then get on and really, and you'll find like, that's so much more rewarding and fulfilling than like, you know, maybe not even having a bad thing happen to you. Like, I really think those things build character. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're only here for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I think just like living your, your best life, you know, respecting yourself and others and d- try not to take it so seriously. Like, you know, if it comes to work or whatever, like I didn't do this, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't bake a cake for my kids soccer thing. You know, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. what really it boils down to, like, are you healthy? Cause with your health, you can do almost anything. Of course, money helps. Yeah. Um, but even you can be a billionaire and if you're in poor health, that's not gonna, that's not going to get so you anywhere. True. And just really just enjoy the days and just, just take it easy, man. Yeah. Just take it easy. <laughs> take it easy on yourself. Love yeah. That. Give yourself some grace. Yeah. So last question before we jump into some quick speed round questions. Oh, yes. What's next for Brandy? What is next for me? Well, um, I'm just happy to be working consistently without, you know, all these other things, you know, like uh, design, branding, all that kind of stuff. Like that's really my passion, you know, it doesn't feel like work. And I always said through like every event, it's like, oh, I just can't wait to complain about a long day of work. Oh, yeah. Like it just complaining about the simple things like, Oh, I have to work 14 hours today. <laughs> yeah. But I secretly love that. Like, I just love that. Like I get to contribute to, to, to society in like different ways. And, um, and I'm, I feel so honored to have such great bosses over the year that have continued to allow me to do that. You know, especially in the industry that we're in, in Regina, yep. Saskatchewan alone, like it's not an easy field to be in. Yep. Um, so I'm really just looking forward to, you know, building my career um, and playing with my dogs and just enjoying basic life. I can't wait to leave Regina, you know, <laughs> before, you know, I had to be within six hours of Saskatoon yeah. so that I could make it back for a transplant. But just like, you know, I've missed so many funerals and weddings because yeah. I, so I just want to do what like, like vacation. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, now I'm still in the place where like, I can't believe I pee. Yeah. Like that is still like, <laughs> the, <laughs> that is still the most like, you don't know what that does to someone's psyche when you don't pee anymore. Right. But, like, that's literally, like, I wake up in the night and I have to pee. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Strutting <laughs> down that do hallway. I can do that myself. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so before we let you go, I'm going to hit you with some speed round questions to get oh to know boy. you on a better, not a better way, a more holistic way. Okay. First question, what video game reminds you of your childhood? Ooh, I mean, there's the classic Nintendos for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really like Duck Hunt, especially like I remember oh, yeah. like touching that screen with the gun on my like bubble TV and like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get that little duck. Um, <laughs> so, so definitely Nintendo. Been a gamer, been a gamer since eighteen or eighteen eighty four. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Been hundred years as <laughs> yes. a gamer. A tip you've learned about money. It ends. Uh, it, <laughs> what? Like it's not, it's not forever. Yeah. Um, I'm very frugal. Um, and especially with how I am, but spend it on things you, you want that'll make you happy. And yeah. if that's dropping a nug bomb at McDonald's, then do that. <laughs> um, but always make sure you have food and shelter and water. And if you owe it to people, pay it back. Yeah. So true. Yes. <laughs> the nerdiest thing about you oh my god i am just a nerd <laughs> through and through my brother used to say oh brandy's playing on her nerd box again yeah um yeah probably that i am a gamer and if you saw my office i'm doing air quotes here yeah. you would think well she's not a professional lady like yeah <laughs> like i mean i have like a pink keyboard like everything glows but right. yeah prob- probably just my um 
my PC setup and the fact that, yeah, I play video games with 12 year old kids on the internet. Love yeah. that. Do you play like the same video game or do you like, is there like a wide spectrum of them? Um, well, we have a the group online and we're currently playing, um, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. That's been a heavy okay. favorite. Yeah. And Hunt Showdown. Um, but usually there's usually about five of us online at the yeah. same time. Cool. Um, my brother-in-laws, they play too. And then our friend and we, we all call each other by our game. It's so funny because what's your gamer tag? It's Carrot Collector. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So it's shortened. So I'm known as Carrot Online. Okay. Um, and yeah, so that's that's my uh, gamer take. Next question. A movie you never stop quoting. Oh my God. That's another issue. I think my whole, like, I think 90% of my vocabulary is movie quotes. Yeah. I'm going to go with, like, probably anything from Austin Powers or Jim Carrey. Nice. Yeah. Good. Both good ones. Um, a song you'll never switch when it comes on the radio. Conditions of My Parole by Pussifer. Um, what is that? <laughs> yeah, so Maynard James Keenan is the man behind Tool in okay. a perfect circle yeah. and also has a band called Pussifer. Okay. I've heard of Tool before. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it gets more of that. Yeah. Yeah, Pussifer. Yeah, Pussifer. Love yeah, that. Conditions of My Parole. Yeah. If you even just put in that with David Letterman and watch it on YouTube, you can just get a sense of who Maynard is as, as a person. And okay. the song is groovy. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, Pussifer is going to be my new Netflix password. Yeah, I think. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or my gamer. Tank. Yeah, your favorite take. <laughs> yeah, Carrot Collector and Pussifer. <laughs> take it on the world. Um, the last time you injured yourself. <laughs> so funny story. Um, a couple months after my kidney transplant, uh, we run out our bathroom, yeah. um, you know, getting ready to sell. Yeah. And and I'll just say, you know, new bathtubs are slipperier than ones made in the 50s that have okay. eroded. So oh. I slipped in the shower uh, and fell and broke my rib. <gasps> Oh no! I landed on my non-transplanted side, but did hit exactly where they do liver biopsy. So yeah, I broke a rib. Um, that was fun. No, that was a good time. Do you, oh. are you like now that you have a kidney on the side? Like, do you have to protect that at all? Costs? Yeah, like I can feel it. Like my like I have a little yeah. Bump, yeah. You know I'm yeah I'm pretty thin where it is. Right. So um, yes, you you do have to protect it. Like as it is, I can't play contact sports just due to my bones. Like yeah. they're very brittle and I have right. osteoarthritis as well and yeah. all this fun stuff. But yeah, like don't come up and punish me. Yeah. Like please. <laughs> please. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> where would I find you at a house party? Uh, in the corner with a cat or dog. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm summer with somebody's animal. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like taking it home. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. I've named it. We've Instagrammed the whole night. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely not talking to people. That's for sure. Love that. Uh, last question. What connects us? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, well, this podcast in yeah. general, I, I, I just think the, you know, the human connection of all of us trying to find our place in the world and, yeah. Um, how all of our stories like intertwine in some way. And yeah, just really us just all trying to figure this thing out for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, love that. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for taking some time. You have, I've said this like four times, you have the <laughs> best energy. Thank you. You make me want to be funnier. <laughs> like you have awesome, like this awesome outlook on life. Thank you. And like you've said before, you never know what people have gone through. Exactly. And you have one heck of a story yes. that I think if you're listening to this or um, you know others that have gone through this, you know that it can be hard to to show up every day with this authentic, 
fun-loving energy, and you radiate that. Oh, thank you so much. So thank you so much for sharing that that so well-earned perspective. <laughs> thank you. And I hope somebody listening to this was is joining on that organ donor list or researching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have definitely taught us something to here today, and I feel like you made me a better person. Oh, just thank by you so much. You. So thanks so much. Check that off the list. <laughs> yeah, <I> love that. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's it for a chat with Brandy, and for this episode and the season five premiere of the What Connects Us podcast. We're just getting started with the season, and we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. If you like the podcast and you want to support it, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a review of the podcast, and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. We'll see you in two weeks. Until then, I'm off to grab some chicken nuggets. Let's connect soon.